things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. Welcome to the very first episode of I Crying Corners. My name is Chadi Orozco. I serve on staff at Celebration Church in Jacksonville. I oversee design and film, so pretty much I get to hang out with what I like to call fun and feelings. Millennials, they're my favorites. I love them. I think they're amazing, and they have helped me learn so much about leadership, and they sadly have been on the other end of all my massive fails and my wins, and so you're going to hear a lot about leadership on this podcast, but Disclaimer, if you're looking for like an epic leadership podcast, this is not what this is. This is just an awkward turtle conversation with someone who's kind of screwed things up sometimes and has some fun stories surrounded it. If you really want a great leadership podcast, turn this mother off and go download Craig Rochelle's podcast because that's what I listen to for leadership advice. But if you're just a normal person out there and you're like, hey, I've kind of jacked some things up and I need to hear some real stories about that. I'm your girl. That's me. I'm here. Okay. So again, my name's Chadi. I oversee a small creative team and I have been leading people for maybe three to four years at this capacity, but I've been in ministry for almost 20 years. And so, um, I've done things really, really, really badly and I've done things really, really, really well. And, um, I was reading my Bible a couple months ago, and God gave me this principle about crying in corners. That's right. I got this junk out of the Bible, because I read the Bible and stuff. You know what this isn't, though? It's not my ode to Claire Danes. Claire Danes, one day, and I will be best friends. Claire Danes is amazing. I just wanted to throw that out there in case anyone out there knows Claire Danes. Seriously, though, I love Claire Danes. Her crying face is the best thing in the world. I quite literally collect Claire Danes memes, but that's not what this is. This is not my ode to Claire Danes, the whole crying in a corner thing. Nope. But I love her. I just wanted to give her a shout out because, you know, we're girls. One day. Anyways, this is also not an excuse for people who are emotional. That's not what I cry in corners is. I'm not an emotional person. I'm like that lady that when people cry in front of me, I like kind of pat them with a broom. Like, I don't know what to do with emotional people. I have a lot of feelings. I feel like... If you have a lot of feelings and I have a lot of feelings, there's too many feelings in the room. So I will just awkwardly walk out of the room because I'm an awkward turtle. Yes, real life. So that's what this is not. Let me tell you what this is. This is going to be a survival guide to everyone out there who just wants to lead themselves well. And somehow, if you can learn how to lead yourself well, I promise you, you'll be able to lead people well. So back to this principle. I was reading my Bible because I love the Bible. I love the Bible. It's like one of my most favorite things in the world. I think it was T.D. Jakes who said, um, you'll never be a good orator. I didn't know what orator was. I had to Google it. You'll never be a good orator if you're not a lover of the written word. And so because I was teaching a lot at the time and speaking a lot at the time, I was like, dude, I should start reading more. And so I started reading and I started, I was like, let me just start reading the Bible more. And I just fell in love with the word of God. And so this past year, I felt like God told me to read the book of Matthew and not read it like, I'm not read it like just read it through, but to read it in pieces. And then in my journal, write down all the things that he was teaching me. And so this was one of those things that he taught me 
this whole I crying corners thing. So if you're driving, don't take notes. If you're sitting there drinking a coffee, take notes. I said coffee or coffee. I don't know. Look, full disclaimer, I'm recording this really late at night. I've had an insane amount of black coffee and I've never done this before. So I'm incredibly nervous and I've re-recorded this at least 15 times. I feel so bad for my husband who's going to have to somehow piece this thing together. So I'm not going to turn it off anymore. I'm just going to let it be. So here we go. I kind of even want to pray. Can I pray? I should pray. Let me pray. This is going to be awkward. If you're running or doing something, just don't close your eyes. Just pretend like I'm not praying. Anyways, Jesus, please help me because this is awkward, God. But I know this is for you. And I know that there's people out there that need to hear this. And I know that there's people out there, God, that want to lead themselves well and that want to lead others well. So God, speak through me. Let this revelation be your revelation. Let these words be your words, God, because I don't know what I'm doing without you. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read this story in the Bible, and then I'm just going to share with you what God showed me. Cool? Awesome. Let's pretend we high five here. All right. So what happened was, as we find Jesus right after the Last Supper, Peter has just said, not Jesus, I won't deny you, because in my mind, that's what Peter was a little gangster. He's my spirit animal. And so in my mind, that's how he talks. So Peter has just told Jesus he won't deny him. Jesus is super duper overwhelmed. And he has just now said, hey guys, let's go to the garden. Let's go pray. So Garden of Gethsemane. You ready? Cool. Here we go. Um, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. See, that was normal. Jesus would go in moments where he was overwhelmed. He would, he would go off to pray. So whether he was uh, overwhelmed by all the people they had fed or he had been ministering, he would take time to walk away and pray. And that was one of the first things in the story that I highlighted because I was like, wait, God, are you telling me that great leaders can take a minute to pull themselves together? Because I always thought I was a great leader when I didn't need to walk away and pull myself together. Yep, I said that. You can be a great leader and need a minute to pull yourself together. You got that? So take a minute today if you're overwhelmed and just say, hey, I need a minute. I'll be right back. Because if Jesus can do it, you can do it. Next thing. And he took with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. You know, that really got me about Jesus being sorrowful and deeply distressed because he was Jesus. Like, hey, homie, you hear from the Father. Like, why are you distressed? I remember a friend of mine once told me, um, I used to say, <laughs> I used to mouth my cuss words, you know, because it's not bad if you mouth it. Anyways, and she would say to me, Chadi, it's still cussing if you uh, mouth it. And <laughs> I was like, Jesus can deal with my cuss words. And she said, you know what? Jesus dealt with everything you ever dealt with, and he didn't have a mouth like that. And it caused me to actually stop mouthing my cuss words. And now I just text them. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Altogether kidding. Anyways, I say all that to say that she was trying to tell me that Jesus had gone through every single thing we had ever gone through. And when I read this, it reminded me that Jesus, even when he was trying to lead people and lead himself well, he was still distressed. He was still sorrowful. So second thing, if you're leading yourself and you're leading people and you need to take a minute to walk away, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. But it's not okay to stay there. Because Jesus, even in his overwhelm, started to pray. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went off to pray and he said, Oh, my father, is it possible? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will 
but as you will. There is something to say about being able to walk away, find your corner, cry it out, but still give it to God. See, I was really great when I first started leading people at uh, being emotional because I'm an emotional leader. I'm an emotional person. Um, but what would happen was, is I would let my emotions, uh, feed out into my situation and feed out and overwhelm people. And I never really let go and gave my emotions to God. I was, I was really young in ministry at the time. And I remember, um, people would say, you're so emotional. You're so emotional. You shouldn't be emotional. And I remember what happened was, is I started to look at my emotions as a negative thing. Like, God, you made me emotional. It's something I have to overcome. When the reality is God made me emotional because he gave me a heart for for justice. He gave me a heart for people. He gave me a a heart to see things that other people couldn't see. There was nothing wrong with my emotions. The problem was I didn't realize I needed to walk away, find a corner, pull myself together, and surrender it to God. And this is what we find Jesus doing right here. He says, oh, my father, is it possible that this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? So not only is Jesus being sorrowful, but now he's disappointed. And when I read that, I was like, man, Jesus, Jesus, you've been disappointed. Yeah. Not only can you, when you're leading people and leading yourself, it's okay to be disappointed. But we find again that Jesus didn't stay there. Jesus didn't stay there in that moment of disappointment. He reminded them that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In leadership, I found that when I would get disappointed, I would just look at the people that I would lead and I would just remember how disappointed I was in them and I would hold that disappointment against them. I would hold it against them. Like I'd be like, nah, this guy sucks. I'm never going to deal with him anymore. I can't trust him. I'm just going to stay disappointed. And the reality is Jesus didn't let his disappointment in people be something that made him love people less. If anything, he reminded them in that moment that there was still something more. He was reminding them in that moment that they needed to be spirit-minded, that they needed to be Holy Spirit-led. In that moment, he was reminding them that there was more. And so we find Jesus, even when he's disappointed, even when he's sorrowful, even when he's broke. I mean, I'm talking about this. I'm emotional about it, even as I'm talking about it right now. Like, Because there have been moments where I've been leading myself and leading people and I was so disappointed and I didn't go back to God and I didn't remind those people that God had more for them. If anything, I just left and I stayed in the quicksand of my disappointment. And so if you're out there right now and you're feeling disappointed, don't stay there. You can be disappointed, but you can't stay there. And so it goes off. He says, again, for a second time, he went away and he prayed. So dude, he went and found a corner twice. Twice. He said, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And then he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. Look, the thing that I don't know if you understand, if uh, I love reading, this is in the book of Matthew in chapter 26. What you have to remember is they had every right to be tired. It's not like they had taken a, a suburban to the Garden of Gethsemane. They had been walking that whole week prior. It was Passover and they were partying and they were doing all these things. And they had the Last Supper. It was really late at night. It was like almost four in the morning. They had every reason to be tired. Every reason. But sometimes, even when you have every reason to feel emotional, every reason to be tired, sometimes you just got to pull yourself together. And that's what Jesus is showing us in this story. And that's what stuck out to me. I remember when I first started really leading at a really high level, I had just been given 
a small department and I had never led people. I'd only ever led myself and I was really good at leading myself. Um, I had learned, I had learned from a lot of really great leaders how to be really self-fed and how to lead myself well in ministry, but I never had led people before. And, um, the reality is, uh, I had been given a part-time person and a young intern. And I remember being so absolutely overwhelmed with now, I don't know how to lead them. I'm just trying to lead myself. And the reality is, is when uh, God gives you more, sometimes we look at the more as it's not a blessing when really the only thing that is a blessing is the more. It's what, it's what really breaks us down and really begins to build our character. And so we find Jesus here and, and the disciples, they're overwhelmed. They have every right to be overwhelmed. When I was first started to lead, I had every right to feel overwhelmed, but it was even in the overwhelmed what God was saying, Hey, I'm giving you this. You have every right to feel this way, but you're just because it's a, you feel this way doesn't mean it should be your compass. And so just like, man, just like the disciples, I fell asleep on it. I fell asleep on him. My eyes were heavy. I wasn't a good leader. I let my emotions lead me and I, I made a lot of really bad calls and I, I slept through things that maybe I shouldn't have slept through metaphorically and I, I didn't handle conflict well and, um, I would just, I just basked in that disappointment. And then I found this verse and I was, I was so moved by just wanting to get up and wake up and see God and the way that Jesus did. Because even though he was tired, even though he was sorrowful, even though he was disappointed, he didn't let his feelings guide him. He let his heart for the Father and his love for people guide him. And so it says, so he left them after he had left them. Their eyes were heavy. So he came and found them again, and their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away and prayed for the third time. So he's now gone for the third time. He's went to cry in a corner for the third time, saying the same words. And then he came to his disciples once he was done, and he said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. See, Jesus knew there was more to the situation than just being tired. It was more to just being sorrowful. He knew that it was so much more. It was so much more than just leading himself well. He knew that if he could survive this corner moment, this moment in Gethsemane, that it would affect eternity. I'm a little obsessed with this story because, see, Jesus is betrayed right afterwards by Judas. And even though it says he was sorrowful and disappointed, and Judas walks up to him and he kisses him and he betrays him. So not only is he sorrowful to the point of tears, disappointed by his best friends who have slept through the entire situation, but now he's betrayed. Judas kisses him and he, and he greets him and, and, and Jesus calls him friend. Jesus literally calls him a friend in the very next story. And we find that that word friend actually means comrade, which is a brother in arms. And so we find Jesus sorrowful, disappointed, but yet he is still reminding Judas, still reminding Judas that there was a call on his life. He was still reminding Jewish, Judas that there was more to him than that moment. The greatest leadership advice I have ever found was in this story. Because even though I have found that in moments where I'm leading myself, in moments when I'm leading people, that I'm sorrowful, that I'm disappointed, that I'm betrayed, I still have no right to lose myself in the moment and not see people 
as they are. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus saw them for what they were. And they were lost and they were broken and they were in need of a savior. And so he goes on and he gets beaten, he gets betrayed, he gets bruised, he gets laid out, he gets put on a cross. And even through everything, even through everything, he's still focused on the people. He's still focused not on his emotions, but on the end game. And that is what this whole I cry in corners thing is about. It's the end game. It's leading in a way that impacts people, not only not only to love Jesus better, but to, to love Jesus better in such a way that it impacts more people. See, I don't want to be a good leader so that the people behind me will be good leaders. That just happens. I'm just thankful. Please, God, make them all good leaders. I love them. They're my favorites. But I don't want to be a good leader so that people will be a good leader. I want to be a good leader so people will know that Jesus loves them. That's the truth. I just want to be a good leader so people will know that Jesus loves them. So how do I do that? Well, if I'm completely honest, in moments where I'm completely sorrowful and to the point of tears, and I know it, I'll get, I just walk away. I just say, hey, I need some time to process this. That's a practical way. That's a super easy leadership tidbit. In a moment where you're overwhelmed and you don't know how to contend with the situation, just say, hey, I'm going to need some time to process this and walk away and pray. I pray about everything. I'm a weirdo. I don't care. Because the reality is, is if God doesn't end up in the situation, if I haven't already invited him into the situation, it's just going to get hairy. And you know what? I don't want to be in a situation that the Holy Spirit's not in. So that's the first thing you need to do. If you find yourself to the point of sorrow, to the point of sadness, where you feel them tears coming up, whether it's with yourself or whether it's a coworker or whether it's a person who you love, it's a family member, take a minute. Look at them dead in their eyeballs and say, hey, I need a minute to process. Another practical way that I deal with uh, crying in corners and dealing with people is that in moments, not only where I feel sorrowful, but where I'm disappointed in people is one I choose right there in that moment not to allow that disappointment to stay in my heart. And I immediately go, God, show me why I'm disappointed. Show me what I am not seeing in this person. And usually right then and there, God will show me. God will say, this person really just has an issue with this. And right then and there, in my mind, as I'm talking to them, I just start praying. God, give me wisdom. God, show me how to deal with this. God, show me the words to say. Give me the words to say. And again, I always go back to, if I need a minute to process it, I'm, I don't care. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell them. I'm gonna look at them and say, Hey, I love you, but right, really, I just need a minute. I need a minute to process things. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you smart. And it makes you, it makes you, it doesn't make you weak. It gives, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. If Jesus can take a minute to walk away, so can you. And so that's the second thing I do when I'm disappointed. I just start praying for the person that God will show me exactly what I need to do. And thirdly, in situations where I feel betrayed, man, this one's hard because loyalty is a huge core value of my life. So when I feel betrayed, I try to do what Jesus did. I, I, I don't really do this well, as I, I really struggle with this one. But I always go back to, can I look at this person dead in their eyeballs and tell them that they're my friend and remind them that God has something more for them and that they're more than that moment. Because I think when you face betrayal, not only in friendships, but in leadership, you find that the reality is, is 
people really aren't ever really truly betraying you. They're just in self-preservation mode. And mostly people that betray other people, it's because they really are just out for themselves. And whether it's out of a good reason or a bad reason, it doesn't matter what the intentions are, people just end up getting hurt. So I would venture to say, if you find yourself in a situation and you're feeling betrayed and there are no corners to find to cry it out, I would say just look at that person and remind them that you love them. When I was five years old, um, my uncles, there's a, a joke in my family that um, they were making fun of me. See, I come from a gigantor, uh, like big, fat Cuban family. And um, where, you know, Cubans, we say really mean things to each other as terms of endearment. And, um, and when I was a kid, they tell this story that they were all making fun of me. And um, and I just started crying. I was five years old. I just started crying and crying. And I kept saying over and over again, but I love you guys. But I love you guys over and over again. I would just say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then my uncle like ran over and he picked me up to console me. And I have told this story so many times in my adult life because I always end up feeling like the I love you guys lady. Like whether I'm betrayed or whether I'm disappointed or whether I'm overwhelmed. And all I really, the only thing that bubbles up inside of me is just I just want to look at people and go, but I love you. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say to Judas and, and to Peter and to the guys that were asleep. Like, guys, but I love you. I'm doing this out of love. He cried in corners because he loved people. And that, my friend, that is the greatest leadership advice anyone could ever give you. Just love people. If you're loving people, then it doesn't matter if you're overwhelmed. It doesn't matter if you feel like you can't do it. It doesn't matter if you're disappointed in them. It doesn't matter if they betray you because love covers all. And love will always win in the end. So those are the practical ways to do it, man. And you know what? I don't always get it right. I fail a lot. I fail a lot. But you know what? In the words of the prophetess Aaliyah, you just got to dust it off. And try again. She's not really a prophetess, in case anybody's going to Google that. She's a songstress from the 90s. Anyways, I love you guys. I hope this helps. It helped me. So just get ready. Because the next couple weeks, I'm talking about loyalty and conflict and ride or dies. And how real leaders should say sorry all the time. I don't normally say sorry all the time. But I'm learning to. So... Also, I'm probably going to bring my team in to do some fun interviews so you can hear what a weirdo I am in real life. Yep, that's it. That's really all I got. Oh, oh, oh. Make sure you go follow Creative Church because they're amazing. If you're not following me on Instagram, feel free. I say a lot of inappropriate things on my stories. And um, I know there's supposed to be like review thingies that you're supposed to do on iTunes. Please do that. Say nice things. And if you want to send me some questions or thoughts, um, go ahead and just DM me on my Instagram or send me an email at chari at sharice.org, C-H-A-R-I at C-H-A-R-I-S-E dot org, and I will answer you back. That's all I got. Love you, weirdos. Talk to you soon.